As the world's climate nears a breaking point, world leaders are in the UAE of all places this weekend, hammering out an agreement to try to stop rising temperatures. Experts insist you cannot do that without phasing out fossil fuels, but oil producing nations are pushing back strongly on that, not surprisingly, including the host of the climate conference. And joining me now is former Vice President Al Gore. Vice President Gore, thanks so much for joining us. So you were just with world leaders at the COP28 Global Climate Summit, being hosted by the UAE, one of the biggest oil-producing countries in the world. The president of the summit is the CEO of a state-run oil company who recently said that there's no science to support phasing out fossil fuels. That's obviously not true. This all feels like having an arsonist host a, a fire prevention seminar. Do you have any hope that something substantive can actually come out of this? Well, uh, Jake, uh, they've they've overreached. <laughs> the fossil fuel industry has sought to control and manipulate uh, this process for a long time. They're way better at capturing politicians than capturing emissions, but they've gone too far. And I think that it uh, it could possibly end up as a kind of blessing in disguise because it has awakened a lot of people to how absurd this situation is. The climate crisis is a fossil fuel crisis, and they try to pretend that they can separate fossil fuels from emissions from the fossil fuels and keep on burning them and catch the emissions on the way into the air. It's kind of ridiculous. Maybe one day in the future that might be possible, but it's nowhere uh, feasible. It's nowhere close to being feasible now. Anyway, I think there's a, a chance that we could see a surprisingly uh, good outcome here if the majority of the countries there hold to their hold uh, on to their convictions and demand to phase out of fossil fuels. I'm hoping. For people who are not familiar with this conference, can you explain why on earth a climate conference would be held in a major oil producing country to begin with? Well, it's kind of ridiculous. It should not be, uh, although it's not so much uh, that it's in a country that produces oil. It's the appointment of the CEO of one of the biggest and least responsible oil companies on the planet to be the head of the conference. And here's the reason that's a direct conflict of interest, Jake. He's charged with the, by the UN with the responsibility of guiding the world toward a sharp phase down of these uh, greenhouse gas emissions, which mainly come from burning fossil fuels. But he's charged uh, by his sovereign uh, the, and the company that he heads with a massive expansion of fossil fuels. They've got a plan uh, to expand production of both oil and gas by an enormous amount, starting the minute the gavel bangs to end this uh, conference. And that's a direct conflict of interest. And it's not a nitpicking thing to point that out. Uh, it, it, the people of our world deserve to have some confidence that this process has integrity. And we've been seeing the fossil fuel polluters try to manipulate this uh, process for a long time. And the world's running out of patience because this this is so serious now. We're in the hottest year ever measured. We're seeing these extreme uh, climate-related weather events just causing havoc all over the world. And the scientists who've been spot on and dead right in their past predictions, we've seen it play out, we need to give them careful attention to what they're saying would happen if we don't phase out fossil fuels. So we've got to do it, and I'm hopeful that this time we will really finally see uh, some meaningful action. It, it does look like uh, the, the 
2024 election will come down to President Biden uh, versus, versus uh, former President Trump. Um, and I'm wondering what you think uh, the world would look like under uh, uh, President Trump uh, being reelected, which is certainly uh, a possibility, not only when it comes to the climate, uh, but also when it comes to democracy. Well, I saw the other day where he pledged to be a dictator on day one, and you kind of wonder uh, what it'll take for people to uh, believe him when he tells us uh, who he is. And, uh, you know, the, the solution to political uh, despair is political action. And for those in, in the Republican Party and the Democratic Party and independents who love American democracy and who want to preserve our capacity to govern ourselves uh, and solve our problems, now's the time uh, to get active. You know, there's a, there's a mental health crisis around the world, Jake, that we hear people talking about. I think that one of the main reasons for that uh, is that young people look uh, at the fact that we are not yet solving the climate crisis or dealing with some of these other challenges. Uh, and we hear this word thrown around, polycrisis. Well, solving the climate crisis is a poly solution. We know what to do. We have the means to do it. And we have to make sure uh, that we make the right political choices in our democracy to enable ourselves to make the right choices. Um, I also have to ask you, sir, because uh, you are uh, a Harvard alum, uh, the, the president uh, of Harvard, Penn, and MIT were before uh, Congress uh, this past week, and they were asked uh, whether or not it uh, explicitly calling for the genocide of Jews on their campus would constitute harassment, uh, and they seemed to struggle with that, although the presidents of Penn and Harvard uh, issued clarifying statements. Uh, and I was wondering what your reaction to it as somebody who has been uh, a strong supporter of the Jewish community, a strong supporter of Israel, and also, uh, as I noted, a, a proud Harvard alum. Well, I was shocked uh, by the tone deafness uh, of those comments, and I think they got bad legal advice in putting together what they were going to say, and uh, they sure—they certainly do need to clarify that. And we, we need to uh, respect one another in our country, and when statements uh, uh, of the kind that were they were asked about come out, we need to to stand against them and stand firm as Americans for for respect for all of the communities that make up America. E pluribus unum. We need to be one country. And lastly, obviously, you know, for eight years, the Clinton Gore White House grappled with the issue of the Israeli-Palestinian crisis. Your former boss a few years ago said he killed himself to try to settle the issue once and for all. Uh, obviously, there was a deal on the table uh, when he had uh, the leaders of Israel and, uh, and the Palestinian uh, people um, in the United States trying to offer a deal. Given all that history, given the blood, sweat, and tears of, of the Clinton-Gore administration to try to bring peace to the region, what goes through your mind when you see the crisis unfolding as it is right now? Well, it, it's heartbreaking, uh, and beginning, of course, uh, with the uh, Hitler-level atrocities of October 7th, uh, just uh, unbelievably uh, horrific. Uh, and, and, of course, uh, uh, as our Secretary of Defense has uh, uh, said, uh, it's important not to make the same kind of mistakes that our country made after 9-11 that ended up making things worse. So. Uh, the, the suffering uh, of civilians uh, in Gaza has to be attended to. Uh, and, and 
the response to the atrocities of October 7th uh, ha are, are what Israel has a right to, to pursue, but it needs to do it in a way that doesn't end up making the situation worse. And I think there uh, probably are a majority uh, in, in Israel that agree with that. We have to go back to the two-state solution, Jake. Sometimes a solution appears to be so hard that people quit talking about it. Uh, and Hamas doesn't want a two-state solution. And some, even cabinet members of Netanyahu, don't want a, a two-state solution. But the majority understand that is where this needs to, that's where this needs to go in order to solve it for the long term. Vice President Al Gore, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today, sir. Thank you, Jake.